Well, happy Pentecost, Pentecost Sunday, Uh, 40 days after Jesus was crucified and rose from the dead, the Holy Spirit came, the promise of the Father, and so we're going to look at the Holy Spirit this morning and celebrate his gifts and all that he does. Um, Christianity is this incredible, wonderful invitation to know and experience God personally. We're not just people who believe certain doctrines. We're not just people who sing enthusiastically. We're people who have found something remarkable and phenomenal. Or been found by someone remarkable and phenomenal. You, as a, if you're not a Christian this morning, this promise can be for you. And it's for every single person who's a Christian. It's the promise of the Holy Spirit. So I've got a promise for you this morning. You can receive the Holy Spirit. And you might say, what does the Holy Spirit do? I'm just going to read a whole load of stuff. And um, if you want the verses after, just grab me and I'll, uh, you can take a photograph of the verses. The Holy Spirit is the promise of power. The Holy Spirit will give you a language, an intimate language where your spirit can speak to God's spirit, what the Bible calls speaking in, in tongues. The Holy Spirit will enable you to prophesy. The Holy Spirit will give you visions and dreams. The Holy Spirit will make you bold as you present Jesus and talk about Jesus. The Holy Spirit will fill you with joy. Yeah. Amen. In fact, Peter goes on to say in the Bible, joy inexpressible. It's so big and bubbles over. You can experience the love of God poured into your heart. You can have a deep assurance that you're a child of God. And God just says this right now. There's someone here you're wrestling with. Am I really loved? Am I really saved? And it's like you kind of have an in-and-out relationship with God. And the Holy Spirit this morning wants to give you assurance that you know because you know because you know because you know you're a child of God. The Holy Spirit enables us to have a cry of Abba, Daddy, God. He places in us an intimate expression. The Holy Spirit gives spiritual gifts. He gives miracles. Miracles can be done through you. If someone told you it was only the man or woman of power for the hour who can do miracles, that that wasn't the truth. Because the Holy Spirit can give all believers the capacity to work miracles and signs and wonders. The Holy Spirit can cultivate in you a deep desire to walk with God. The Holy Spirit can cause you to bear wonderful fruit like faithfulness, joy, peace. The Holy Spirit can do that. The Holy Spirit wants to walk alongside you as the friend. He wants to do that. The Holy Spirit wants to lead you into all truth. He's the spirit of truth and wants to lead you into all truth. And the Holy Spirit wants to remind you of all the things that Jesus has said. So, Holy Spirit does a lot. He's an amazing person. He is God. And he's God who comes to live within us. Jesus rose from the dead and then for 40 days he, t- he spoke to the gathered crowds, he spoke to them about the kingdom of God, about the rule of, king of, the, of the kingdom. And Jesus said to those people in Acts chapter 1 and verse 4, he said, 
wait. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, because the gospel, remember, the promise of the gospel, the good news about Jesus, was for all peoples in all the earth. That was the promise that was given to Abraham that gets fulfilled in, in Jesus, that the gospel, the good news of God, is for all the peoples. And so they're going to go into all the earth. And we know in Matthew 28, when Jesus gives the Great Commission, he, he talks about go and make disciples of all nations. But he, he says, don't start yet. <laughs> A little bit, they're on the line, they're waiting to go. He says, wait for the promise of the Father. How many of you know that God cannot lie? <laughs> and he can't break his word. He is a promise-keeping God. And you have a promise from the Father this morning of the Holy Spirit. So I can absolutely guarantee, if you want the Holy Spirit this morning, you can receive the Holy Spirit because there's a promise. And so Jesus said, wait, wait. Um, John baptized you with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Baptism is a Greek word which means to be absolutely plunged. Um, ships got baptised when they sunk. <laughs> so it's a word that means to be absolutely immersed in God. A bit like a sponge is immersed in water. It just goes and, uh, as it were, soaks up God. So Jesus is saying, wait. Wait for the Holy Spirit to come. And so they've got this promise, and there's 120 of them who have got a promise from Jesus. And so they're gathering and praying mm. for the fulfilment of the promise. And so, Acts chapter 2 and what, verse 1. So, when the day of Pentecost arrives, so Pentecost is a Jewish feast. So they're waiting on this day, for, and they're praying. They were all together in one place. So they're, they're together, because they're, they're not embarking yet on the Great Commission, because they're waiting for the power. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like mighty rushing wind. So it was audible in the room, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues of fire appeared to them and rested. I mean, this is a good meeting, isn't it? <laughs> Sound of wind, fire on their heads, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and notice the very first supernatural gift they got was the gift of tongues, the utterance that God gave them. And so they'd gathered for the promise of the Father. So it's an important point because I can say to you, you can receive the Holy Spirit today because the promise of the Father has already been poured out on Pentecost 2,000 years ago. So we don't have to have a tarrying meeting where we gather and wait for the power to come because the Holy Spirit has come. We're living in the age of the Spirit. Okay, We're living in the fulfillment, as we'll see in a minute, of Joel's promise that um, the Holy Spirit will be poured out on all flesh. And so they waited and then they received the Spirit. We cannot understand the power of the early church and their effectiveness at reaching the, the known world, um, following the, the, the Roman trade routes that Paul would follow. They brought the gospel across the known world. And we can't understand that apart from the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. Because what we do see at the end when Jesus is crucified, they're pretty much all scattered. Peter's denying Christ. There's John and Mary. There's this one disciple kind of hanging around, but everybody else has run away. And then they turn into these bold, 
powerful men and bold, powerful women who turned the world upside down. And that's how people described them, the early church in that day, the people who turned the world upside down. The early church placed a really important emphasis on baptism of the Holy Spirit. So when Paul in Acts chapter 19 came upon a group of people who had heard about the baptism of John, he asked them, did you receive the Spirit when you arrived? So in Acts chapter 19, verse 1, it says, And it happened that while Apollos was in Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. There he found some disciples. And he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, No, we've not heard about the Holy Spirit. There is a Holy Spirit. And he said to them, Into what were you baptised? They said into John's baptism. An important thing, John the Baptist was a waymaker, proclaiming the coming Christ, the Messiah. And he said that, that Jesus would baptise in, in water and in fire. And so that initial baptism of John was a baptism of repentance and turning back to God. The New Testament baptism is a baptism of expression of regenerated new birth. And so Paul is asking, okay, what was you, your conversion experience? What did you actually believe? He finds out their experience was incomplete because it was a baptism of John and not the baptism in Christ. And so Paul gets it sorted. <laughs> and Paul said, John baptised with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who would come after him. That is Jesus. Now, on hearing this, they were baptised in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul laid hands on them, the Spirit came on them and they began to speak in tongues prophesying and there were about 12 of them. Just an interesting aside, it's possible to be baptised in the Holy Spirit and not speak in tongues. It just seems that most of the time in the New Testament, the first sign of baptism in the Spirit was the speaking in tongues. We don't want to make a rule about it, but I'm just thinking if he's got something for me, I want all of it. So. <laughs> and so the very first question Paul asked was, have you been baptised in the Holy Spirit? Really important question. And this baptism in the Holy Spirit isn't just a one-time event. Now, I can point you to when, where, how it happened. Mm. But I want to be baptised in the Holy Spirit and draw on him every day of the week. Amen. It's not a one-time event. Amen. So we can see in Ephesians 5.18, Paul uses this uh, Greek present continuous tense to say, go on being filled with the baptize, uh, baptism of the Holy Spirit. Go on being immersed in God. Ephesians 5, 18. And he says, do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Just as an aside, it seems to be he's saying that actually the effects of the Holy Spirit can look like the effects of being drunk with alcohol, where someone loses control, <laughs> becomes sometimes overly joyed and sometimes negative things happen too but it's a sense in which being immersed in alcohol takes over a person and they enter into a kind of state of parting he's saying don't be drunk on wine be immersed in the spirit which is why then peter says it's joy inexpressible and uh, full of glory so do not do not drunk, get, get drunk with wine for that is debauchery but be filled with the spirit addressing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. Amen. And that be filled with the Spirit is present, ongoing, continual, 
sense. Not, I remember getting baptised in the Holy Spirit in 1987. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's not just you can point to one event. Brilliant that you can. Fantastic that you can. But go on being filled with the Holy Spirit. Go on being filled. And we see that in Acts as well, that they went on being filled with the Holy Spirit. So in Acts chapter 4 and verse 30, we see an encounter where a the place where they were meeting got, uh, got shaken. And remember, this is when the, the apostles, the, the, the disciples have been told, no, don't any longer tell anybody about Jesus, which they were really excited about because it meant, <laughs> woohoo, we're enjoying some of the pushback that Jesus enjoyed and we were like him. And so they've, they've, they've come back and, well, and, he, and they pray this, and now, Lord, Look upon their threats. I mean, these are real threats. I mean, these guys can imprison you. They can execute you. They can crucify you. It's serious. And uh, Peter says, look at their threats. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with boldness. Word there is logos. Jesus is the logos of God, 1 John. Jesus is the word of God. So in other words, they're saying... Help us to keep proclaiming with boldness who Jesus is, what Jesus has done, that Jesus is alive, that Jesus is God, that Jesus is glorified, that Jesus is the Lord of all, and that Jesus is the suffering servant that is pointed to from Isaiah, that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And then he says, while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders performed through the holy name of your servant Jesus. And when they had prayed... The place where they had gathered together was shaken. That's physically Amen. shaken. That's the building is shaking. It means the walls are shaking. <laughs> Again, that's a good good uh, meeting to be in. But God, if you want to shake the walls, please don't do any damage. <laughs> Just as an aside. Or, or you can if you want, if you want to fix it after. That's another miracle you're very free to do. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And then they continued to speak about Jesus, the word of God, with boldness. So it's not a one-time only experience. They experienced it at Pentecost. And now they're experiencing it again because they need it. Because they've had some pushback. Amen. And we need it when Amen. we have some pushback. Amen. We need to Amen. be refilled. Yes. So... In Acts, just a, so it's not going in reality, they were going on being filled. But the other thing to say is, from the accounts in Acts, conversion and coming to know Jesus as Saviour and baptism in the Holy Spirit are not necessarily happening at the same time. Now you can't say Jesus is Lord without the Spirit of God, that's true, it's a work of the Holy Spirit. But baptism in the Holy Spirit that gives power and the gifts doesn't necessarily happen all at the same time. Amen. So we've got some evidence of that in Acts chapter 8 and verse 14. Amen. And this is where the Samaritans have believed in the good news of, the, of Jesus and were clearly converted, but they hadn't yet responded, uh, hadn't yet received the Holy Spirit, but they had been baptized in water. Acts chapter 14, oh, sorry, Acts chapter 8 and verse 14. And now the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they'd received the news about Jesus, and he sent them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them. 
for the, that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For he had not yet fallen on any of them, but they had only been baptised into the name of the Lord Jesus. So they'd been born again of the Spirit, they'd been baptised in water, but they hadn't yet been baptised in the Holy Spirit. The early church placed a huge emphasis on this. Mm. Had they been baptised in the Holy Spirit? So they came along and they prayed for them and they received the Holy Spirit. Because it's the promise of the Father and it's already happened. So they were clearly converted, then they received the Spirit. And um, Paul is another example of somebody who has an encounter with Jesus, is clearly born again, but then receives the Spirit three days after his initial conversion and coming to Christ. So in Acts chapter 9 and verse 17, and Annius departed and entered the house. So this is Paul, do you remember he was persecuting the church? And he was sent by the Pharisees with letters to throw Christians into prison. And on his way to Damascus, Jesus appeared to him and said, you're persecuting me. Why are you doing that? He has an encounter with Jesus. He gets knocked off his donkey, which I would say is all of us need a time to get knocked off our donkey. It's a good thing to get knocked off your donkey, you know, that we come in that sense of, Amen. well, he is the Lord. Amen. He is the Lord. And um, Paul, Paul was really enthusiastic about serving God and he realised actually I got it all wrong he needed a radical encounter with God who showed him where he was wrong and saw and he saw Jesus and came to Jesus so Ananias departed and entered the house this is where Paul is staying laying his hands on Paul he said brother Saul because that's what his name was before the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me so that you may regain your sight because you've gone blind in that moment and be filled with the Holy Spirit Immediately, something like scales fell from his eyes and he regained his sight, then he rose, and then he was baptised in water. Can you see that the order is so... He, gets, he comes to Jesus, he gets baptised in the Holy Spirit, then he gets baptised in water. The Samaritan believers got baptised... They came to Jesus, got baptised in water, then they got baptised in the Holy Spirit. The Ephesian believers seem to get everything all at once. They hear about Jesus, get, they come to Christ, get water baptised, and they get baptised in the Holy Spirit in a kind of, it all seems to take place. So the main thing is, it doesn't really matter the order, the main thing is, are you baptised in the Holy Spirit? So, sometimes it, it can happen all at the same time. So, for example, um, Cornelius in the Bible, he gets filled with the Holy Spirit whilst he's listening to the preach about coming to Jesus. So that's an example of another thing where God kind of messes with the whole thing and, and blows it all up. Acts 10, 45, Peter is speaking and he's saying, do you remember Cornelius? He's the guy who was a devout Roman and he's a God-fearing man, but he doesn't yet know Jesus. And Peter is a really good Jewish guy who doesn't yet understand that God's heart is for the gospel to go to all peoples, not just Jewish peoples. And he has that open vision where food comes down from heaven and God says to him, go kill and eat. And then Peter says, look, I've never eaten anything that's not kosher or like, I've never eaten shellfish or pork or dietary things that the Old Testament says. And then God says, don't call anything unclean that I call clean. And next thing you know, there's a knock on the door and Cornelius... This Roman Gentile is inviting Peter to come and explain who Jesus is. And in that moment, it's clear that the gospel 
is for all nations and it's opening up to the Gentile world, which is Amen. really good news for us, isn't Amen. it? That the gospel was opened up. And so Peter is just explaining to them about who Jesus is and what Jesus did and how Jesus died and how he rose again. And while Peter was saying these things, this is, this is God interrupted. Who would have thought it? He's interrupting and maybe right now, why wait to the end to be baptised in the Holy Spirit? Open your heart right now. He'll fill you even as I'm speaking. We don't have to wait for the end. Cornelius didn't wait for the end. Um, these things, while Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And believers from among the, the circumcised um, who had come with Peter were amazed. Because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the non-Jews. This is an amazing moment because... The gospel is breaking out. And they were hearing them speaking in tongues and exalting God. And then Peter declared, Can anybody withhold water for baptising these people? For they've received the Holy Spirit just as we are. Peter's telling about Jesus. In the middle of telling about Jesus, the Holy Spirit falls on everybody. They're getting filled with the Holy Spirit. They're getting the gift of tongues. And then he's saying, well, they need to be baptised in water. Again, it all kind of blows up. I got baptised in the Holy Spirit and I hadn't even decided I wanted to follow Jesus yet. I, I was in the process of considering, do I? Do I want to? So he baptised me in the Holy Spirit in the beginning of May 1987. The end of May I said yes, which I think, I think he <laughs> considered I was already yes. And then in June I got baptised. So he kind of moves it all around. So do you have a promise that's similar? Acts 2, 38. So this is up Pentecost. Mm -hmm. He's talking to all the people. And he says in Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Repent. Repent is change your mind. You're repenting. Every time you change your mind, that's repenting. Metanoia. To change your mind about something. That's the... The word, repent and be baptised, every one of you, Amen. in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Hallelujah. And you will, you will, not you might, not you could, maybe possibly, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And now this is, this is now us coming into the, did you know you were in the Bible? For the promises for you, that's the people who he was speaking to in the context, and for your children, that's the children of the people who are listening. Mm. And now we're in the Bible, this is us. And for all who are far off, and everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. Everyone. We are the everyone. Hallelujah. You have a promise from God, the promise of the Father is for you. Hallelujah. It's for it's for all who are far off, because obviously geographically the gospel is going to reach the ends of the earth, and for all that God will call to himself. That is for you. That is for me. So the thing is, when you read in the Bible, you have to answer the question, do I have a promise in this? If, are you one of the everyone? Yeah. So you have a promise from God who cannot lie. He has no shadow, no turning, he's the father of lights. He cannot lie, and you have a promise of the father. Mm. So, absolutely. If you are a believer, you are included. You have a promise from God. 
heard of it. Some of us say, I don't know if I've got any promises from God. Yes, you have a promise from God that the friend, the Holy Spirit, wants to do all these things in you. Amen. Some say silly things, really, like this. I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy to receive the Holy Spirit. It's a silly thing, really. Does your worthiness have anything to do with you? Because so, while you're a sinner, Christ died. He died for all the sins of the world. So it's already paid for. Your worthiness is sorted. Some say, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. I'm not quite sure anybody, I don't know if Cornelius was particularly ready. <laughs> he just gets baptised in the Holy Spirit as he's talking. Or others kind of link to worthiness, say I'm not quite perfect enough yet. How can I have God when I've got things to be sorted? Can I say, you can't sort things without God. Yeah. And actually, the, the way the Bible deals with dealing with things that need sorting is by the Holy Spirit. It's through abiding, it's by walking with the Spirit, it's by clothing yourself in the Spirit. Amen. The, the Bible doesn't ever say, go to work on something, and when you've sorted it, come to God. It's always, come just as you are, and on the journey, you will enjoy transformation. Hallelujah. You will point out where you need to change your mind. Yeah. It's nothing to do with our performance, it's a gift. So you don't have to get yourself into a particular state... There's no need to go on a particular keeping of rules. It's simply believing what you heard. Now, I'll let, I'll let the Bible be ruder than me, okay? Galatians 3.1. And we can put our own name there. I can say myself, oh, foolish Jamie. And then he goes, who has bewitched you? Bewitched. Who so troubled your mind with witchcraft that you think it's got anything to do with you. It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Then he said, I love how Paul asks questions. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law? Or by hearing with faith? Or simply trusting that you got a promise? Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit... Are you now trying to be uh, being perfected by the flesh? So that's where he's saying, look, you begin by the Spirit, you live by the Spirit, you walk by the Spirit, you're transformed by the Spirit. Everything is down to the work and the person of the Holy Spirit. And so he's saying, how did you receive? Did you tarry? Did you wait? Did you fast? Did you try? Did you work harder? Did you try and perfect yourself? Did you try and keep the law? Did you go on a religious treadmill? Are you so silly? No. You received simply because someone said you could have it. And that's what happened to me. I got baptised in the Holy Spirit before I came to Christ. And I didn't even ask, really. I was just listening to a cassette by Yonggi Cho. I wasn't really expecting God to turn up. He turns up. I come to Christ at the end of May, officially in that sense, although he had invited me into his life before I said yes, and then I obviously weighed it up and said yes, and then I heard someone speak in tongues in a meeting, so I said to my mum, what's that all about, what's that? She said it was a spiritual language given by God that you could communicate with God spirit to spirit. I thought I'll have that, went into my room and started speaking in tongues, because that's how we receive everything from God. 
If God says you can do miracles, you can do signs and you can wonder, you can have mountain-moving faith, if you can have the gift of discernment and you can have the gift of wisdom, you simply believe because he promised and you receive. So right now you might say, I've heard his voice, but I I want to prophesy. You can say, Holy Spirit, I choose right now to believe that the promise is for me and I'm going to receive the capacity to prophesy. The key to receiving the Holy Spirit is really believing that God wants to give you the Holy Spirit, that you're included in the promise. That's all that it is. You receive by hearing with faith. That's what happened in Acts 2.38. They got filled with the Holy Holy Spirit because it was a promise. Mm. If you believe that you're included in the promise, it's important that you understand that the baptism in the Holy Spirit is not something you wait for until you feel ready. It's a gift of grace, and there's nothing you need to do to earn it. So Cornelius, that Roman guy, did not wait until he was mature to receive the Holy Spirit. Peter was still speaking, and the Holy Spirit turned up and he spoke in tongues. The Ephesians in Acts 19 were dripping wet after being baptised in the water and they were just filled with the Holy Spirit. Paul didn't have to go about emptying himself. That's another false teaching around baptism in the Spirit, that you can be baptised in the Spirit when you are sufficiently emptied of self. That's, a, that's, um, that's not legal. <laughs> that's wrong. Paul did not wait for years to empty himself of his Pharisaic legalism before he received Hallelujah. the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now, probably when he's in Tarsus all those years, something of that is happening and he's learning to understand who Jesus is. Mm. But the gifts of grace are not dependent on tarrying, waiting, perfecting and emptying yourself. They are simply the receiving thing of, I believe, Amen. I receive. And even I want to say, that the, the, what does Cornelius really believe? I don't know what he really believes. He's a devout man. He's hearing and God turns up. I, I think we have to be really careful that we don't even make um, getting ourselves into a place of believing a way of receiving. Because that, that makes believing into a qualification for receiving, Amen. which can only be received by grace. Yeah. So I don't think the Ephesians, when they're, they only understand John's baptism, Peter explains Jesus' baptism, then they thought the Holy Spirit. They didn't really do a lot. Yeah. <laughs> they just received because God is the pursuer of relationship and he's incredibly 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 generous but at the same time and this is where the bible is so um, wonderfully nuanced because on one hand you can say it's got nothing to do with us but on the same time there's things like jesus says if anyone is thirsty (laughs) so that's an interesting thing if anyone is thirsty so we we know that being thirsty puts us in a position where we want something and so Jesus said if any didn't say if anyone's holy he didn't say if anyone deserves this he didn't say if anyone's really impressive rather (laughs) if anyone's thirsty Um, there's a sense in which our hungering and thirsting for this is part of it is what John 7 37 says but we mustn't turn hungering and thirsting into a work because otherwise you fall into the trap of waiting until you're ready until you're hungry enough and thirsty enough. And then you think, how am I going to make myself hungry for God? I have no idea how you do that. Just hang out with God and be around him, even if it's a minute a day. He'll do that. So hunger and thirst, I think, positions us into a place of expectation. And 
Expectation is another word for faith. It's mm. trusting, it's the assurance, mm. but it is not a work. Amen. It's not a work. Amen. In, in Luke, 9, Luke 11, 9 to 13, Jesus makes a thing about asking is important. He says, asking is our faith in action. Hallelujah. We come to Jesus for it, but we're coming to him and we're asking. Hallelujah. So being thirsty and asking are important. So I heard about the gift of tongues and I had no church backgrounds. So I had no real understanding. I just heard it was a gift available. And I went and asked and I believed I received. And I think that's just be like little kids, be a little, just be naive and a bit simple about it is really, I think, really important. So, it often came in the New Testament through the laying on of hands, but it was always coming to Jesus for the gift of the Father. Come to him, drink and receive. You just ask. Let him come to me and drink, Jesus said. So what I want to land with is just a few comments on the gift of tongues. Like I said, the gift of tongues, the gift of a spiritual language, in the New Testament was often one of the first of the supernatural gifts given to God. And it's clear that not everyone who's baptized in the Spirit necessarily speaks in tongues, but the New Testament pattern was pretty much, from the verses that we've read, it was the first sign that it happened. It's a beautiful, beautiful gift, because it's a form of prayer that frees us up from the limitation of human language. Amen. If you ever come to that point, you just don't know what to say and how to say it and how to communicate it. You can then speak with mysteries to God. It's also fun as well as to ask the Holy Spirit for the gift of interpretation, because then you can actually interpret your own tongue if you want to. That, that, can, be, that can be fun too. Speaking in tongues, what it does is it edifies, it builds up, and it strengthens us in, inside. So sometimes we might feel, actually, my spiritual life is weak, where it could be that you actually got taking the gift of tongues and, and speaking because it builds up and strengthens and fortifies. It's a, it's a form of prayer, like I said, that frees us from the limitation of human language. Um, but the speaker is fully in control of when they start and when they stop. Okay, So it's not that God comes and takes over our mouth. Although I've heard he can do that. <laughs> but we are generally... You know, he's the Lord and he does whatever he pleases. So Amen. that's the first that kind of covers pretty much Amen. everything, isn't it? Amen. But we're fully in control of when we start and when we stop. Actually, it's not God who speaks in tongues for us. It's you speaking in tongues, using your normal speech and your vocal cords. The gift is the language. It's not something God does... To us, it's not God who is speaking. Um, for you, it's something that we do. We have to project speech. Because I've seen that when people are trying to receive the gift, they've got their mouth open, and they're waiting for God to take over their vocal cords. <laughs> and, and generally, that he can, he might, he could, but he generally, he doesn't We start to speak. And I guess in Cornelius's case, he didn't really even know what the gift of tongues was. So he just started to speak, because he wouldn't have heard about that probably before. So you project speech, you have to start, and then the language, the gift, is the language. It's the supernatural language that God gives. Can I say as well that the language we start with, it can evolve and change? 
Yeah. So just because at the beginning we have a, we might have a few phrases and we start to speak, anticipate and expect the language that you speak in to evolve and grow and develop. <laughs> um, I wish I'd gone up to this guy. I heard a guy speaking in, a, in, in his own language, but it was a tongue I'd spoken that morning. So I don't know what he was talking about. I didn't understand, but I'd experienced that language. And so you can have moments where you experience a new language. So we start to project speech and the language is something God gives. It's a little bit like Peter, he, he sees Jesus walk on water, Peter says, come, but if Jesus, Peter had said, stay on the edge of the boat saying, yes, Lord, move me, the miracle happened when he got out of the boat and put his feet on the water and then the water supported him. He had to do, the miracle happened when he took the step and started walking. An Old Testament full illustration of this is with Elijah and the widow. And do you remember he, there's a famine and she's got a little bit of flour and she's got a little bit of oil and he says, make some bread. And then he says a promise that oil's not going to run out. And the miracle wasn't that the oil poured, because was, there was some oil in there. The miracle was it just did not stop Hallelujah. until the famine was over Hallelujah. in that case. Hallelujah. So the miracle was that as she poured, it flowed. Sometimes people fear that as I begin to speak, it will run out, but it won't. And I think one of the tragedies for us believers is such a powerful gift of God gets neglected and forgotten, and it gets rusty, and we just need to bring it out of the cupboard because it was still there and it will flow again. It says that in Kings, when she poured it out, it began to flow, and the oil went over the lip of the pot, and the miracle was, as it started to pour, it continued. It's the same with tongues. We start with the little, and the more we speak, the more it's given. Pour out the little you have. That as you receive the gift, you'll feel a sense of there's a couple of phrases on your lips. Begin to articulate them and speaking. The step of faith is to open your mouth and begin to speak. Amen. The wonderful miracle is God will fill that with um, the gift of language.